Crave, I want you to think about what is the most impactful Disney or Pixar scene to you. The question is, what is the most impactful Disney or Pixar scene to you? I'm not asking for the best movie. We don't need to make a list or argue. But when you think about scenes from Disney or Pixar movies, what has made an impact on you? You'll get a chance to discuss that as your icebreaker tonight in small group, but because I have the microphone, I get to tell you mine right now. Uh, you may be thinking the first five minutes of Up, right? Do you remember the first time your soul got uppercutted by the first five minutes of Up? Or maybe the last five minutes of Coco, right? Gets me every time. My answer, I'm going to cheat because I made the question. I'm really going to say two, and they both come from the same movie, 1994 seminal classic, The Lion King. And so it is difficult for me, and that's why I chose not to show the clips tonight, but we do have screen grabs. The first scene, do you all remember this one? Now, spoilers, Mufasa has just died in this scene. I know, the, the movie's only 27 years old. Um, Sorry. Mufasa has not only just died, he's died to save his son. And he walks up to his father and says, Dad, Dad, come on, get up. We got to go home. My two-year-old was watching this the other day. I was a wreck in the kitchen. I'm going to be 35 years old tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> Mufasa. It's, hey, it's a, it's a powerful scene for me. But then later in the movie, Simba is given the chance to speak with his father from the great beyond. And we can put that up on the screens. Mufasa rolls in through the clouds. And he tells him, you've forgotten me. And I'm just telling you, as someone who lost his dad, like it just, and he tells him, that's impossible. He says, you have forgotten me and you've forgotten who you are you are more than what you have become you are my son you can I'm like I'm holding it back right now I get accused of being a crybaby enough as I'm just telling you there's something about these two scenes that just grabs a hold of me a father saying to his son you're more than what you've become I confess to you now, the whole reason we did this three-week series was for tonight, was for tonight's message. And it'll be very short. You're going to get into small groups here in just a few minutes. But I think our identity is so important, and knowing who we are is so important. And I just want to remind you what we talked about in the first week. Your identity starts with knowing who God is. If you want to know who you really are, you have to know the Father. That's so important. And I don't think I have to work hard to convince you there's an identity crisis in our world today. We think who we are is who we voted for. Or we think who we are is our skin tone. Or we think who we are is who we're sexually attracted to. And I'm not saying that any of those issues are insignificant or that we shouldn't talk about them. I'm just saying that's not the core of who you are. You are made in the image of God. Don't forget that. Now, what I want to do tonight is walk you through a tool that some psychologists came up with in the 50s. 
Woo, exciting, right? This tool is called the Jahari Window. Uh, if you've got a handout in the back, you see your handout tonight just has four panes. There's a line above it. You write Jahari Window on that line. You can go home and read about this more on your own. Why is it called this, Kevin? What's the significance? Well, the two guys who came up with it combined their name, Joseph and Harrington, and it's Jahari Window. Uh, if you ever invent something or discover something, fun fact, you get to name it. So uh, we're going to talk about the Jahari window tonight, and there's four panes. I'll move quickly through two, and we'll rest in the others. The first pane, the top left uh, for you, is the arena, okay? So what you can see on the screen about the arena, if you can see out to the side, everybody else knows it, and you know it. This is a public fact about who you are. Like, it's not hidden. So if you know me, I'm a Colts fan. I know that about me, and you probably know that about me if you've spent any amount of time with me. That's in the arena. All of us in this room have things in the arena about ourselves. Okay? Now, on the flip side, in the bottom right, is the unknown. This is the great mystery. You don't even know this about yourself. Other people around you don't know this about you. In fact, only God who created you knows this. Now, you may discover it one day. Think about how you've grown into a high school student and you've discovered things about yourselves. You'll continue to do that into adulthood. There are things about yourself you just don't know yet. But where I want to spend the bulk of our time tonight are in these other two squares. The lower left-hand side there, we call that the facade. Now, if you're real fancy, you'll write it with that squiggly on the bottom of the C, the facade. What is a facade, you may be asking. I'll show you a picture. Um, if you were to go like into the old wild, wild west, you would see these big fancy fronts on these stores, and they look good. They give the impression of prosperity. But often behind these storefronts would be just ramshackle, rundown buildings, sometimes even just tents. It's a fake front. I just know the human condition well enough, and I know students well enough to know that some of you live behind a facade. It looks real good to everybody else, but there's things behind there that others don't know, things that you're hiding. You may, in fact, have your walls up, and you are aware of this. You have things in your life that you shudder in terror to think about somebody else knowing. And so you live behind a facade. You always have to have that appearance just right, especially at church. And I just want you to see what Jesus had to say to some people in his time who were very concerned with their exterior and not so much with the interior. This is Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Some of us in this room, man, we look like we have it together on the outside. But on the inside, you are dying and your heart is far from God. I don't know what's behind your facade. But I know enough to know there are many of us who have a facade. And I just want to invite you tonight, take those walls down. Let some of this stuff out and be authentic. 
James 5.16, James, my favorite book of the Bible, and this is one of my favorite verses in it, says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Hey, if you are dying inside because of the burden that you're carrying, the Bible's prescription for that is to confess that to somebody and let them pray for you. Maybe that makes you uncomfortable, but maybe that's exactly the step that you need to take. Now, that top right part of your window is your blind spot. So in the lower left, you've got the facade. The top right's your blind spot. Funny thing about blind spot, you have it, but you probably don't even know that you do. Raise your hand if you've ever been going down the road and you go to switch lanes and, whoops, there's somebody there in that blind spot. Okay, terrifying, right? Now, cars have come a long way. Put my next picture up there. My car has a little, it'll light up. and It'll tell me, somebody's here that you can't see. And if I turn on my turn signal, it'll even start to go boop, 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 boop. Like, it does not want me to merge. I can't see it. Everybody else on the road can, though. Here's the thing about you. There are things in your life that you don't even know about yourself, but people close to you do. Things that you, you have zero awareness of, but your friends and your family, they see it just plain as day. You know this is true about other people. You see things and you're like, how do they not know? But that's true for you too. All of us have blind spots. And we need people in our lives that we love and trust enough to speak into those blind spots. Look at a couple Proverbs with me. Proverbs 28, verse 2, those who trust their own insight are foolish. Anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. If you're walking around thinking, I've got it all figured out. I don't need anybody to point anything out in my life. I'm good. And again, I just know enough about the human condition to know that people in this room right now are going, this is ridiculous. I don't need anybody to speak truth into my life. You're a fool. Sorry, but you just are. You have things in your blind spot. Are you willing to have someone speak into that? And that's a scary proposition, to go up to somebody and say, hey, I know I've got some stuff that I'm unaware of. Would you be willing to speak truth into my life? That's not a statement you make to someone lightly. You probably don't say to some stranger on the street, hey, want to point out some things in my life? They don't know them. That would be really awkward. But friends who, who are close like family, you know what I'm talking about. That's what they're there for. Look at this very famous verse, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It's possible you're here tonight and you, just, you need some sharpening. You need to be brave enough to say to those closest to you, hey, what do you see in me that I don't see about myself? Ooh, it can be scary but it can be very healthy. So, what's behind your facade? I don't know. You do. What's in your blind spot? You don't know, but maybe the people in your small group do. I'm going to ask Jacob to come back. We're going to sing one more song. You're like, wow, that really was quick. You're right. Because here's the goal tonight. I want to get you into small groups. And yes, you can talk about the Disney Pixar scene that means a lot to you. That's fine. But you're also going to be asked... What's behind your facade? And here's, again, what I know. Many people will just sit 
with big bug eyes and be like, I'm not saying anything. I'm not going first. Consider giving the gift to your small group of going first. You know what it's like to be sitting there and finally somebody says something and then it just unlocks something inside of everybody else. Maybe give the gift of going first tonight. Say, hey, here's something I've never said to anybody and here's my struggle. Would someone pray for me so I could experience healing? James 5.16. Or maybe you're feeling especially brave tonight and you say to your small group, hey guys, I just know that there's things I don't know. Would you be willing to speak some truth in a loving manner into my life? Maybe the person you're most comfortable having those conversations with isn't even here in this room, and that's okay. I encourage you, take that step. This will help you know and love yourself better, which will help you know and love God better. And your identity starts with Him. I'm going to pray, and Jacob's going to sing a song. And it's a great song, but I really want to encourage you, just sit and listen to the lyrics pray. Have some time to do business with God. You don't have to stand and sing right now. Just reflect and ask God to speak truth over you. God, each of us in this place have things we're struggling with, things that we're hiding. I pray for courage and conviction to share. Father, some of us also have things we don't even know about ourselves. Would you give us courage to allow others to speak truth in a loving way to us. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to begin speaking to us individually before we even get to groups as we sing. We love you. It's in Jesus' name.